and sort of channels so they paid for for themselves <clears throat> and there was one guy never heard of him before or since and this talk and he was up there and then we come back down and we're in his, his very sumptuous office and he's sitting there my could i lose my salvation and he thought knowledge he said well i guess you could if you've done the unpardonable sin and just left it at that he said you make them twice the child of the devil yourself shame and to deal with all our sin and shame and sometimes we need to read the scriptures and apply some principles to them so that we can get the truth out of them rather than necessarily how it's translated or how it's how it's come across to us or the assumptions that we make so i'd like to look at this one because this one has had an awful lot of rubbish put around it and also i'd like to to give you some principles um, and those principles well, we'll do it in a slightly different way. I've got a video to show you, which uh, some of you will like and some of you will hate. If you stick with me, you'll all hate it by the end of no. <laughs> right. Matthew 11, I'm going to read 22 to 32. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could talk, both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? Talking about Jesus. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So, so then, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Well, it's scary in a way. You think, oh. Well, people ask these questions. What is it? What is the unforgivable sin? Have I committed it? Have I done it unwittingly? Did I do it before I was a Christian that was never been forgiven? Have I done it since I was a Christian? Especially if I don't know what it is. And worst of all, am I going to hell? Because unless my sins are forgiven, well, I don't want to make light of it. Because this can really concern. Maybe it concerns you. Maybe it concerns people you know. They've read the scriptures. They've not read other scriptures, maybe. They've not seen things in the context. So, just like to have some principles here. Now, does anybody know who that is? Meat Meatloaf. Meatloaf, right. <laughs> Hands up people who didn't know that was Meatloaf. I suspect it's as much, yeah. Okay. Um, Meatloaf is a singer, right? He's kind of rock balladier. Um, he's getting on a bit now, doesn't tour anymore. 
and the kind of um, songs he sings that take a lot of effort, and uh, he's had several heart attacks, and he's not a small guy. I mean, he's lost a bit of weight there, he's about twice as big. Um, and he's had various hairstyles from, you know, long hair down here to a mullet to he's going bald, isn't he? And so he's got a bit old now, but I'm going to play you a, a video in a minute, which is a which is just part of the song, which is the first half, it's a very long song. And it's off an album, which is actually the sixth most gross, gross most gross, sixth grossing, uh, most grossing album, you know, the most money made. All right, so he's not, so someone who's just popped up that song, he's been going for donkey's years. But there's this song, and this song, strangely enough, caused some controversy because of some of the words in it, and I'll go th go through in a minute. You'll, some of you will know what I'm going to talk about. So that's after the video. I won't do that. And believe it or not, as is the uh, the way of these things, people kept searching. What won't you do for them? What was the that that you won't do? And it went on for years. What would you do? What would you do for love? Right? I'm not um, making a, a, a spiritual point here, I'm making a principle actually. What would you do for love? And people would make speculating, different things. They're all coming to different conclusions. And so they asked him, and today Meatloaf, there's that his name Michael actually. Um, and Meatloaf, what um, what won't you do for love? And he said, Oh, isn't it obvious? Don't, don't look back at the video. He said, Isn't it obvious? He said, You have a look. I would do anything for love. This is the first line, the first, first verse. I would do anything for love. I'd run right to hell and back, and I would do anything for love. I'd never lie to you, and that's a fact. But I'll never forget the way you feel right now. Oh, no, no way. Then it goes to the chorus. And I would do anything for love. Oh, I would do anything for love. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. No, I won't do that. Didn't even spot what he wouldn't do? Wouldn't lie. That's what he said. It was there, right at the beginning of the song. Then. In its context. In fact, there's several things through the song, but that's the most obvious one. They won't do that. I do anything for love, but I won't lie to you. I won't lie to you. I won't do that. Yeah. And there's a, there is a principle here when we're dealing with the scriptures. Because he used something else, but I thought do something different. I'm going to call this the today's talk. The meatloaf principle. Okay? And the meatloaf principle is this. Well, there's, there's, there's three principles. And I think we should use these whenever we're reading the scriptures. Because it saves us an awful lot of heartache. An awful lot of mystery. And... Save having to explain things time and time again. First one, what are we actually talking about? All right, what are we actually talking about? Then I say, what is it? What is it? We don't know. Meatloaf, tell us what 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 is it? Oh, well, why? Okay. In this case, what are we talking about? We're talking about what is that sin? Let's define it first of all. What is the Unforgivable sin. So we'll have a look at that. What is the context? 
right? There's a lot of cliches around. First one, you could say, what are we talking about? Well, we make an assumption. And you know the cliche about assumptions is, if we assume it makes them ass out of you and me. Assume. Stretch it a bit. And the other old cliche, about taking something out of a text, out of context is, no, I heard that one. I'm just building another pause. <laughs> text out of context is pretext. All right? Text out of context is pretext. It's an easy way to remember it. So you take some scripture out of, you know, random look at the Bible. Judas went and hanged himself. Hmm, fuck again. Go and do that likewise. <laughs> you know? Take out of context, you can say anything. You get apartheid or all kinds of stuff out of it. You take things out of context. And the third principle, there are others, but first of all, what do other verses in the Bible say? Other verses commentate on one another. In fact, different versions sometimes help us to understand what they're saying. Unless, of course, you use the Amplified Bible, which is more like multiple choice. Um, <laughs> but there are the three principles. I just want to have a quick look at the same, at these uh, verses that we've just read in Matthew 11. It's Matthew 12. Matthew 12. I'm, I apologise. Matthew 12. I was right first time, wasn't I? Yeah. Thanks, Angela. All right. So Matthew 12. We're going to look. What are we talking about? Well, first of all, let's have a look at the, the verses. Two of the verses here. When the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And Jesus goes out and points out the... Uh, the, the the, the failure of that argument that if Satan is divided against Satan, how can he stand? And then he says, so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. So it's blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven, right? What is blasphemy against the Spirit? People say all sorts of things. People are talking about mortal sins and this and that and this sin won't be forgiven, suicide or whatever. No, there's a lot of rubbish spoken. So first of all, Beelzebub. Beelzebub was a Philistine god originally, um, worshipped in the town of Ekron. And it originally means Lord of the Flies, all right? Which is a good science fiction book, actually, if you ever want to read that. Um, Lord of the fry, fly, Fries, Lord of the Flies, work for McDonald's. No, um, Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies, and it came to mean the, um, the, the 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 Hebrews then changed it to Beelzebul, which means Lord of Dung or Lord of Filth, right? And it became a a word that associated was associated with Satan. So the Pharisees, when they were talking about Beelzebub. We're talking about the Lord of Filth, Satan. It was a really derogatory term. Okay, you barely say it. It was, to an extent, a crudity. So they're saying, if by him, by Satan, that you're doing these things, if by Satan, they were attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan. Right? So that was the blasphemy. They were attributing the work of the Holy Spirit, which was very obvious and was not from the, from, from the devil, from Satan, to Satan. So that's what we're talking about. So first of all, 
we need to define what we're talking about because we can say all kinds of things. We can make all sorts of assumptions and we can put the pressure on one another. Did, you, did I once say something that was really horrible about God? You know, well, maybe you did, but it's not what we're talking about. Did I say this once? Did I say this? Did I believe this? Well, yes, maybe you did. But we've only defined it, first of all. We've said that's what the sin is. That's what the sin is. But there's more to it. Secondly, what's the context? The context is Jesus is demonstrating the kingdom of God. The Pharisees constantly followed him around. They were frightened that they were losing power and influence. They were frightened that this preacher from God-forsaken places as far as they were concerned, up in the north of the country, wasn't who he said he was. Or was who he said he was. They were concerned about that. And the reason, one of the reasons they were was because they know the scriptures. First of all, they were determined to disbelieve Jesus. They'd made up their mind. Have you ever talked to someone, I'm sure you have, who has a belief about anything, actually, but they don't believe in God? You get certain people, they're not just agnostics or even atheists, but they're proactively going against Christians. They're proactively saying, I don't believe in God, and not only that, I'm going to preach about it, I'm going to, it becomes a religion to them. Well, strangely enough, the people who, the religious people who represented God, in this instance, their religion took over and they were determined, we're not going to believe Jesus. We're not going to have an open mind. In fact, we're going to have a closed mind and we're going to follow him wherever he is and dispute everything with him. So that's the first thing. They knew the scriptures well. They knew all the Old Testament prophecies and yet they chose... <coughs> Consciously to ignore them, right? It would be like something, you know, something that would never happen. Like you would choose to ignore all, all the, the moral failings and the bad dealings and the way in which uh, somebody has, has cheated people and that, and elect them say president of the United States. That would never happen, would it? <laughs> for instance, I'm not making a political convert. Just uh, for instance. They, not only did they attribute the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan, but they continued to do it. The sense in the scriptures is not just that it's a one-off. So if you sinned once or twice or three times or whatever, they were continuing in it. They were saying, we don't believe and we never will believe. We are continuing, we're, we're persisting all the time in this belief. We're not going to turn to the light, right or the left. We're just going to hold on to that belief. That's just what I've said. Never repented. They persisted in what they were saying and doing. They followed Jesus everywhere. Right to the end. So they got him crucified. And even after that, they continued to persecute the church, etc. They persisted. Now some people didn't. Some of the Pharisees didn't. Paul the Apostle. Others had open minds. Maybe people like Nathaniel or, or whatever. And after a while, it becomes a habit. Your heart gets, your heart gets hardened. 
Remember Pharaoh in the Old Testament? He refused to let the Jews go so often that in the end, his heart was hardened. He, it became, it became that he couldn't. And they're getting to the point where they have got into the habit so much, it really would take a miracle. Not just counting it, but it would take a miracle to change their minds. That's something we really need to watch. That we persist in a particular sin and that our hearts become hardened to it. I'm not saying you lose salvation or it's unforgivable or whatever, but life as a Christian, if you are a Christian, would be very difficult, would be very miserable if we persist in something and ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, but ignore our conscience. Our conscience becomes seared and our hearts become hardened. And we don't even see the things that God wants for us, the things that he wants to clean out of us and deal with. What do other verses say? The first one. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not some, not nearly everything, not all but one, not everything but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. All unrighteousness. That's what it says in John, right at the beginning. Of, um, I think it's 1 John, actually. <laughs> 1 John. Second one. I could have taken a dozen verses, so I'll just, I'll just put three in. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. All of them. Past, present, future. All of them. It takes a big chance. And Paul deals with that in Romans chapter 6, where he says, are we, are we to sin that we get more grace of God? No, because it's a heart change. We could continue to sin. Wouldn't do us any good. But God's grace is so wonderful. And God's love for us is so wonderful. That it takes the chance with us that we say, well, I love you, God, and then our love goes cold, and then we continue to sin, whatever. We love you so much. You know, I, I really find it difficult when people try to frighten people into the kingdom of God, because it doesn't work. It might work for a little while. People get frightened. They get frightened, and they say, yeah, I need to do And sometimes we need a bit of a shock. But again, in the, in the scriptures, it says, that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's the love of God that God shows us that leads us to repentance. It's a, it's a love story. He draws us back to himself with the death of Jesus. And then this verse is important because if the Pharisees, and if we, or anybody, denies the only way to God, then there is no way left. And logically, it becomes an unforgivable sin. So if we attribute the work of God, the only way to God, to Satan, and say, well, I'm not going to do that, that's Satan's doing that, there's nowhere else to look. There's nowhere else to look. And that is an unforgivable sin, because by its very logic, we've got nowhere else to go. We cut ourselves off. 
I say it's persistent. My father-in-law, funny enough, um, my father-in-law um, married Han because he was a vicar. And one of the few things I remember him saying when he was doing his vicarage was um, he used to say there were two thieves. And again, this is another sort of bit of a cliche, but it's a truism nonetheless. There were two thieves who were crucified with Jesus on the cross, right? One was saved that everybody should have hope, and the other wasn't, so that no one can presume. Does that make sense? So basically, one said, we can have hope right to the end. We can always be saved. So we can repent right at the last minute and still be saved. But we shouldn't count on it. You know? We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if our heart will be hardened. The other thief just didn't care. You know, I'm just going to, you know, we're just going to, I look at him, he's just getting crucified with the, the two of us, you know. The other guy said, no, no, we, we need to repent. We need to, you know, he didn't deserve this. He repented. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in, in, in my father's house in paradise. The other guy, well, that was the end of him. So, we can turn at any point. But also in the scripture it says, today is the acceptable day of the Lord. You know? Come into the kingdom of God now. Don't wait for some other event or to get some other sin out of the way so that you can come now as you are. And whatever's happening in your life, you'll deal with it. It's the best option. Now. Not sometime. Well, certainly not sometime after you've died. So what have we got? The unforgivable sin. It's essentially this. Attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan without a change of heart. All sins are forgivable. All sins. Including this one. Because... When we read it in its context, when we read what it actually says, it's saying that if we continue to believe that works of God through the Holy Spirit, the only means of salvation, are attributable to Satan, and we persist in that, we continue in that, without repentance, there is no forgiveness. And it's the ongoing rejection of the person by which we can be forgiven. Like I said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. Now, people can come to Jesus in lots of different ways. I'm not saying that different experiences, that some are, you've got to go through the ABCs and all that kind of thing. Some people, for the faith in the Lord, don't know when they did it, but they've definitely got a faith there. Some people have a definite date and a time. That's great. But the fact is that they believe, they trust in Jesus. I honestly think that there will be more people in heaven than we think there will. Because sometimes we kind of restrictions and, and things like God will do what he wants to do. The Holy Spirit will do what he wants to do. But if we, as I say, persist to the end in these things, that's the unforgivable sin. Now, as you're all still here, whether you're a Christian or not, you haven't got to the end yet. So there's still time to repent. But do it today, because tomorrow might be too late. Two thieves, yeah? 
So there's not an unforgivable sin in the sense of there's something you've done that can't be forgiven now. There's unforgivable sin if we persist in our belief along those lines. Because the very logic says we've actually disqualified ourselves by persisting in that. And apart from, if you want to see the rest of the video, it was a happy ending, by the way. Um, I'm done. Um, they bet me I couldn't finish before. Oh, sorry. Um, has anyone got any questions? Anything bothering them? I mean, there's, there's questions for the house group. Um, not for the house group, for the, um, for the small group, sorry. I keep going on the wrong terms. Um, is there anything that anyone feels or would like to say? Oh, that's a relief. Or um, I never thought that before. Now you've really messed me up. Um, or whatever.